Welcome to Servium, Latin for I Will Serve, a new podcast series from the Diocese of Rapid City, exploring the vocation to the permanent diaconate. Join me as I visit with some of the deacons who are fulfilling the mission of Christ as servants, sharing their gifts in Western South Dakota. I'm your host, Karen Gibis, and I'm honored to introduce today's guest. Today in the hot seat, we have Deacon Jim Shearer. Welcome, Deacon Jim. I am so excited you're here today. Thank you. Glad to be here. Excellent. Okay, (laughs) so will you tell our listeners your name, some information about your family, what you do for a living, what parish you're assigned to? I'm, of course, Deacon Jim Shearer, as you said. My ordination, I've been ordained now. Last February 1, it was 10 years. So it seems like that time has really flown by. I belong to the cathedral, Our Lady of Perpetual Help. I am married. I have two children, seven grandchildren. Oh, wonderful. So, thank you. So I have tried to make sure that's right or my, my wife will get after me. I have been a counselor. I am now retired. I was a school counselor for 20 years. And then 11 years before that, I was in the classroom teaching. That's been a, quite an experience in, in this new turnover in my life of being retired and and then being able to devote the time to the church has been very valuable too for me. Well, and I'm sure the church feels your your added time as a benefit to them too. I'm sure that your parish benefits from that extra retired time you have on your hands. Yeah, right. I I hope so, huh? (laughs) So you said you've been a deacon for 10 years now. What was that diaconate journey for you? Was this something that you knew right away that you were being called to the diaconate, or was it a slow process that took a little more prayerful consideration on your part? Well, it started off, I was out at the Our Lady of the Black Hills at that time. Barb and I we were members out there for 27 years, and I would have parishioners that would come up, and they would say, hey, have you ever thought about the diaconate? And I kind of shrugged it off and didn't think too much about that. But then in, in my heart, it kept coming back and, and what they had said, and, and it kind of made me do more thinking and more reflection and, and really and more prayer about that. And at that time, what happened was we were required to do four years of the lay ministry, and then it was four years of the diaconate. And so we went to an informational meeting about that. And so I'm listening to the talk and what it's about, and I was getting excited. Oh, I think this is it. I think this is what this I'm is being. This is what I'm called yes, to. Yes, where I was called to. And so we get out into the car, and the first thing Barb says is, oh my gosh, no way. Four <laughs> years of lay ministry? I'm not doing that. And my heart just sank. Oh, I'm and sure. And all of a sudden, I, was, I, I know I was in tears, and I started muttering, you know, uh, 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 Barb, I, I, I think I'm being called to the diaconate. And then she just stopped. And so we must not have really had a conversation <laughs> about that, about, about yeah. how deep that was. Yeah. And then when we got home, we talked some more. And then right away, she said, if, if this is your calling, if this is really what you want, I will support you. It was amazing when we started the lay ministry classes that she didn't want to attend. And I really thought that her faith just took off when um, we started that. And I thought all the ladies did in, in the class. It was really kind of a neat experience to watch their faith grow along with ours. And that's, I think, one of the main reasons they, they did that. 
Wow, that's a very beautiful story. Yeah. You know, the fact that your wife wasn't on board immediately or, or maybe felt overwhelmed at first with, the, with this yeah. idea, but then with the gift of grace given to her, was able to see what could be and then to go along with you on that journey and, and grow herself in that aspect. What an amazing story. When God calls, he truly does equip everyone who sure. needs to be involved. It, it was an amazing journey. Yeah. And it really was. And, and, uh, and I saw the wives of the deacons after ordination, how they got so involved in themselves that it really made a, oh, that's a significance. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Now, I want to talk just briefly about the parishioners who came and said, have you considered the diaconate? The power of that invitation from someone outside of your family or, or outside mm. of your normal everyday activities. Can you speak to that, the power of the invitation? Yeah, that was really something because it really made me start to think that somebody saw something in the parish in me that maybe I didn't see or I just kind of shrugged off and put to the side and didn't think a whole lot about. It was just that idea that somebody saw something that made me think, I need to spend more time in that. Yeah, so so to the people who are listening, you know, don't underestimate the power of what God has put on your heart. Be bold and share that with a man who you feel could be called to the diaconate. Exactly. That's that's a good point. Because that yeah. could be that key that helps them unlock that journey. I think is important when you're starting on a new adventure. Because this, I'm assuming, having never been part of the diaconate program, I'm assuming it's an adventure that has ups and downs and blessings and struggles and everything with it. And to just have that boost of confidence at the beginning that someone sees Christ in you. Right. That was, and it was a great journey. It's just so surprising that for three years before I was officially in the deacon formation, because we could overlap some of those, that time period, all of a sudden it just seemed like it was part of our lives. And so we never thought about it anymore. Yeah. It was what we do. So one of the things that you do in your diaconate um, ministry right now is work a couple different avenues of the new evangelization of our church right now. Can you speak to, to those those things that you do within the parish that are very critical for the new evangelization? The new evangelization says that we are to step out. Um, you know, before when we used to call the term evangelization, it was really to take care of those in the pews. And we're finding out that that didn't work, that we've got to go out because now we have people out there in the, in the secular society that are all of a sudden believing something different that may have been Catholics for years, and now all of a sudden they're no longer in those pews. And I've always thought about that with my ministries and, for example, in marriage prep. In marriage prep, when we visit with those counts or those couples, a lot of times what we found out was, is how often do you go to church? All of a sudden it was um, maybe once a month. Mm. which really meant probably once every couple months or right. maybe not at all. And so um, just being able to talk to them about prayer and praying together as a couple and, and that I think can bring them, in a sense, back to, to the church. 
And so I think that's one way of looking at that. And we can go into that a little further if you like. But the other thing would be like the healing ministry that I'm involved in. When we pray over people, the very first time that I was asked to belong to a prayer team, we had a meeting with Bishop Gruss at that time. And I remember being scared to death a new deacon, how do I pray over people? What's that mean to me? And so I went to the meeting, and then finally when he was done talking, I said, well, Bishop, would I be able to join a group just to see how it goes? And he turns and looks at me, and he goes, Deacon, you're just praying over people. I went, oh, okay. (laughs) And so, but what I realized was the very first time that we had a mercy night, I thought, no, am I going to be able to do this? You know, I'm supposed to lead this team, and how do I do that? These people were coming up to us to be prayed over, and the tears were running down their face. And so I thought to myself, thank you, Lord. I don't have to do anything. It's already been done. The Holy Spirit's already attacked them. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. he's, he's already there because I hadn't even said anything yet. I hadn't even decided what I was going to pray. And... They were there. And you were already winning. Yeah. So um, it really was something that was amazing. We just had a, a healing retreat, and we had a two-hour little mini mercy night, if you would. And it was amazing. We had one person that came up to us, and I asked them, I said, how can we pray for you? And they looked at us, and they had tears in his eyes. And the first thing he says is, I want the courage to go to confession. And so I wow. thought, how, how beautiful that is, is because we have someone here that probably isn't going to church, hasn't been going to confession, but yet felt comfortable enough that they could come forward to be prayed with and over. And so... With, I, with the goal in mind of going to of going confession, to confession. Yeah. which is such a, I mean, in and itself, a healing experience. Yes. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah. So when you think about that evangelization anew, you're reaching people who right now are not being reached by our mass or confession. Who knows where they are in their faith journey? And for some reason, they felt comfortable enough that they could come forward and say, here's what I'd like us or you to pray for. Now, moving back to marriage prep, trying to establish firm, strong families right from the get-go. I mean, we know that the family is under attack right now, I mean, from all areas of society. And having that marriage prep and giving them the tools to start their family, start their marriage off on strong feet, that definitely is reaching out to to the people who are probably don't even understand that what a marriage from the Catholic sacramental aspect looks like. Can you speak on like the importance of marriage prep in the eyes of just knowing probably what they haven't been taught yet or maybe even experienced? Yeah. The, yeah. The joy of that. Sure. And that's what we, we do is we talk about that this is a covenant, that we have a relationship here with God. So this marriage now is threefold. You know, we're bringing God into this relationship of man and wife. And so what does that mean? We visit with them about it as a sacrament. And what does that entail in your life? 
And I think coming from a deacon who is married, who has that sacrament of matrimony, of that already experiencing those blessings, I think you have a unique role in being able to teach that from a firsthand experience, that a priest, not that he doesn't have the knowledge or the understanding, but a deacon is just an everyday guy married to an everyday woman living their faith day by day. Sure. Barb and I have been married for 45 years, and we've had our ups and downs. And so we're able to talk about that with these couples, that not everything, you know, is so rosy and that it's always great. There are struggles in our lives. And I don't know how many times um, my wife Barb has said to the couples, how do people get through life without God? Yeah. You know, how do they get through those struggles of this relationship? Because they can be very tense and there can be very difficult times. And if they have no God to support them, how does that work? Right. And that pulls right into your healing ministry, too, if they don't have God. I mean, in any aspect of our lives, you're missing a key element of relationship with God, which will help you get through life in a much easier way. Yes. And, you know, and we talk about, especially with couples who are mixed marriages, Mm -hmm. and they will sit there sometimes and the tears are just running down their face because how do we even work out this idea that we are different faiths and how are we going to make this happen in this vocation of marriage? And those are sometimes so valuable when they're able to sit there and look at each other and talk to each other and, uh, and cry with each other on how we're going to do this. And that is so valuable. That is. So now when you get involved in either the healing ministry or in marriage prep, is that something that your pastor asked you to take on? Or was that something that you felt called to and volunteered your time within the actual parish? When I came to the cathedral, especially with the marriage prep, the first thing I was asked, have you thought about what ministries will really call you? So I said, Father, I said, so is there anything that you're really looking for? Yeah. And he goes, well, actually, one area I would like would be is if you would take over the marriage prep program. So I was initially, when I first came to the cathedral, I was actually doing the initial interviews, doing the prenuptial investigation, setting up the couples with the focus couples, um, which one of those was Barbara and myself. So while they were doing that, you really got to know those couples as we were as we were getting ready for the other process and what was required. And then when Bishop Bigler, then Father mm-hmm. Bigler, came to the cathedral, then at that stage, he kind of took some of those reins and he said, you know, I think the priest needs to know who these couples are. Okay. And so then the initial interviews and things were then taken over by the priest, which that has continued with Father Brian. And when was that, that you came to the cathedral and became part of that parish? Was that, were you assigned as a deacon there, or did you move as a parishioner to the cathedral first? I was at Our Lady of the Black Hills when I was ordained, mm-hmm. and uh, I was there for six months, and then I got the call from the bishop, and he said, Deacon. <laughs> Deacon. Uh-oh, I knew Uh-oh. something was coming up. Am I in trouble? Yeah. Is there more to this story? Yeah. Correct. And then he, he says, what would you think about moving to the cathedral? How has God walked with you? What has he done in your life as you've been working in these ministries? 
I was thinking about that in, in my journey as a, as a deacon, when my impatience kicks up in my different, yeah. my anger for something on somebody's driving crazy on the road or whatever. And I, it always feels like I'm being called to change. And if I'm going to be that representative of Christ out in the real world, then it becomes this, this matter of, I have to be able to, people be, have to be able to look at me and say, oh, he has something different than maybe I do or the way I act. And so it calls me, I think, to be better. Not saying that it always works. Right. <laughs> but I really do think that it it is a, a way of calling me to, to stay on the path and, and to continue to love the Lord. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So what has been the most surprising part of working in either the healing service or in marriage prep? I mean, just in ministry serving the church in general, what has been the most surprising part of that? I think part of it is the idea of taking on a ministry even that is new. I'm scared to death. And then I remember this is God and he's there with me and walking that journey with me and it really calms me. Just a quick example, I remember the very first vigil that I did, and I was practically in tears driving down the road, and my wife was beside me patting me on, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. And she was there to be there, my, to be my support. So I go and do the, the vigil, and I, and I got done, and everybody thanked me and everything, and I left and got in the car, and I turned to Barb, and I asked her, I said, well, what did you think? Was I okay? Did I do Okay. She goes, it looked like you've been doing that forever. Aww. And I had been praying all the way in the car thinking, Lord, help me with this. Give me, give me the grace I need to be able to help these people who have just lost a loved one. Yeah. And so I think it, that was a surprise that um, the healing ministry was the same way. Not as much with marriage, but it's just that idea of coming into something that was new and trusting in God to know that he's going to be there and he's going to yeah. help you through it. What advice would you give someone considering the diaconate? I think the easy one is, first of all, pray and talk to your wife. I think it's so important if you are married to have that conversation of what that's going to mean in their lives and what that means even for them as, as a wife. And then also, if you trust or know someone in the church, maybe that's in the diaconate, to talk to them. Get a feel of what they think about the, their life and what that has meant for them. Maybe, in a sense, to encourage them to continue the process of discerning if this is their calling. Thank you so much for being with us today. Will you end with prayer for us? Oh, sure. Almighty Father, we thank you for being here. We ask that you walk this journey of faith with those in all of the different ministries that we have in the church. And may Almighty God bless all of us in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Deacon Jim. You're welcome. If you feel God might be calling you to become a deacon, or simply want more information about the permanent diaconate, please call me, Deacon Greg Sass, at the Diocese of Rapid City Chancery Office, 605 343-3541 extension 2228 or visit rapidcitydiocese.org 